hosts of Common Sense Investing have been helping their clients and listeners make sense of the markets for nearly three decades. Using a conservative, diversified, value-oriented approach to investing, they strive to make you a better educated, well-informed investor. And now here's your host, Eric Whiteman. Thank you and welcome to this edition of Common Sense Investing. I'm your host, Eric Whiteman, partner here at the XML Financial Group. So glad you could join me today. I just got back from my summer vacation. And this year, we were lucky enough to visit Copenhagen. If you've never been to Denmark, I highly recommend it. I know you don't usually hear a lot of people going to Denmark for vacation. But the reason we went was so I could take part in the Ironman Copenhagen. That's the triathlon. And I will say I did reach my goal of finishing under the time limit. So I'm pretty excited and pretty proud of myself. But the city is really nice. The people are fantastic. And on top of that, I had one of the best meals I had in a long, long time. And it really shouldn't surprise those of you who follow the food scene because Copenhagen is home to a number of great restaurants. Noma, for instance, has been consistently ranked as the top restaurant in the world. But we ended up going to a place called Alouette for our dinner splurge. Alouette is A-L-O-U-E-T-T-E, Alouette. A neighbor of mine had told us that her nephew had married a Danish girl. No, this isn't a joke. He married a Danish girl and he opened a restaurant in the city. So we decided, well, that was the place that we had to go. It was settled right then. And this was an experience. We arrived by taxi to a part of the city where you wouldn't expect a restaurant to be. It was kind of a an out-of-the-way working class residential slash industrial area. And there's really no restaurant in sight. We were wondering if we had the address right. And, and then we finally got out of the cab and we were greeted on the sidewalk by two of the chefs, two of the chefs on the sidewalk. And they were dressed in their kitchen whites and they introduced themselves. And then they led us down an alley and around the corner into what looks like an abandoned apartment building. And we get on this old industrial freight elevator. We go up two flights. And when we get out, the hallway is just covered with graffiti. And at the end of the hallway, there's a heavy metal band rehearsing for their next show, I guess. They open up one of the doors along the hallway and you walk in and you enter this wonderful dining room that only holds about 30 people. It has this nice open kitchen. It overlooks this beautiful courtyard. It's completely unexpected. Now, we were warned beforehand that there's no menu. No menu. We're going to a restaurant that has no menu. It's just five courses of whatever they want to cook for you, which is fine with me because I'll eat anything. Since we had our daughter with us, we also decided that we were going to do the juice pairing with dinner instead of the wine pairing so we could all participate there. And I tell you, the food was outstanding. I couldn't have been happier with the whole experience. I will say, though, that it's insanely expensive, but you already know I'm cheap anyhow. 
In this case, I'd go back. Like the saying goes, price is what you pay and value is what you receive. Sometimes you find the best things by looking in places no one else is looking. And that's true with the markets too. So that's it for the travel portion of today's show. If you get a chance, I recommend going to Copenhagen uh, Copenhagen, and you get a chance, go to Alouette. It was wonderful. One of the benefits I found about being in Denmark was, well, they're six hours ahead of the East Coast here, and it was pretty easy for me to stay on top of what's happening in the markets. And right now, we are sitting on fresh highs for the S&P 500 and the NASDAQ. The Dow is still slightly below the top it set back in late January, but I'm not worried about the Dow. Last week, last Friday, the chief spoke and the market listened. I'm talking about the Fed chief, Jerome Powell, who spoke out in Jackson Hole, another great vacation spot, but especially if you're a skier. Anyhow, his comments were interpreted as being market friendly. He underscored that the economy is strong, which everyone knows, but it's still nice to hear. The important part of the speech was that the Fed was setting monetary policy to support continued growth and a strong labor market, all while keeping inflation near 2%. And that's been a major concern to investors and something I've talked about on a number of occasions. Monetary policy is a blunt tool. It's not a precision instrument. You don't generally see the effect of a move in rates until maybe six months down the line. Now, the fear being that the economy heats up and the Fed makes a policy mistake. In other words, they raised interest rates too fast and that kills off the growth or that they fall behind and inflation gets out of hand. Over the last 30 years, the average Fed funds rate has been 3.2%. And that encompasses a period of the late 80s when rates were double digits to a period where rates were basically diddly squat or zero back in 2011. Since the Fed first started raising in December of 2016, we've had a total of six increases, 25 basis points each, or they've raised by about a percent, well, not about, they've raised a percent and a half so far. My best guess is that they increase short-term rates two more times this year, three times next year, and again in 2020. I want you to think about how that's going to affect the the fixed income part of your portfolio. In general, as rates increase, the value of existing bonds decrease. If you hold your bonds to maturity, it's probably not a big deal because you're going to get what you bargained for in the first place. Think of it like this, and I'll exaggerate to make my point. If you bought a one-year CD paying you 2% and rates go to 3%, well, if you have to sell your CD, you're going to have to discount the price because people could just go out and buy the new 3%er that's available. Probably not a big deal because you know you're going to get your money back in a year And you can go out and buy a higher paying one then. But what if you had a 10-year CD paying you 2% 
and rates are going higher. Well, then you might be a bit more upset because you're stuck holding this 2%er for 10 years and rates are going to 3%, 4%, 5%, and you're stuck there with your 2%er. You might be a little upset. My suggestion is that you want to keep your maturities on your fixed rate securities short in duration. I don't think you're getting compensated for the risk of buying securities maturing further down the road at this point. If rates do go higher, well, then you can reinvest your money at higher rates later. I call it rolling up the yield curve. One thing that I've mentioned is the strength of the U.S. dollar and how that might affect corporate earnings in the coming months. Let me clarify this a bit. If you're a big multinational and a good portion of your sales and revenues come from different parts of the world, then it's going to take more foreign currency to buy the strong U.S. dollar, thereby hurting your overall earnings. But that isn't the end of the story. 40% of the S&P 500 earnings are generated overseas, roughly double what it was back in the 80s. And you'd rightly be concerned if you just thought earnings were going down because of a strong dollar. Well, as it turns out, the market actually tends to rally when the dollar is strengthening, especially in the type of, in, in the type of environment like we have now, specifically a flat yield curve. The reason is you have a combination of money flows into U.S. dollar assets pushing multiples higher and a strong dollar puts downward pressure on interest rates and extends the business cycle. Basically, the dollar is strong because we have growth and money flows in to buy this growth, creating demand for stocks. People are willing to pay more for them. So a strong dollar isn't a reason to run and hide, at least not right now. To sum this up, things look okay to me. Not as good as they did a year ago, but they look okay. I think the market ends the year on new highs, but I also want to use this time to slowly add more defensive type names into my portfolio, especially when I can buy them at good prices. That's what we do as value seekers. We look for good businesses that are selling at good prices. I suspect that as this week wears on, things are going to get quieter and quieter. And that's because of the long holiday weekend coming up and people are squeezing in that one last weekend away. Let's step away. Let's take a short break. And when we come back, we'll talk about a few of our favorite stocks. This is Eric Whiteman for Common Sense Investing. We are back in a moment. You've worked hard, you've saved and invested. Now you wanna make sure all your hard work pays off. Now's the time to start planning for that future. Hi, this is Eric Whiteman of the XML Financial Group. No two people have the same goals and values. We can help you craft a framework for making a lifetime of smart financial decisions that's right for you. Now's the time to get the advice you deserve. Call us at 301-770-5234. Thank you and welcome back to this edition of Common Sense Investing. I have one house, uh, housekeeping item I want to mention. 
we are hosting an event on September 12th, and it's from 6.30 to 8.30. And it's going to be at Wexler's Auctioneers and Appraisers, and that's on Guide Drive in Rockville. We're going to have Mark Wexler come out, and he's going to be talking about estate jewelry, how you buy it, how you sell it. And he's going to give us a sneak peek at their upcoming quarterly auction. And I, I love the excitement of an auction. What I think is, is neat about this event is that you can actually bring out a piece of jewelry and Mark can give you an estimate of its value. I know a lot of folks are looking to sell some nice things because they're downsizing or what have you. And I think this is going to be a unique experience because we get to interact with one of their experts. We get a sneak peek at the upcoming auction. We get to mingle, have a bite to eat, and just have a good time. Love to see you out there. We've had pretty good response already. So if you want to come, make sure you let us know soon. You can register by going to our website, and that's xmlfg.com. Once again, it's xmlfg.com, and you'll see the register icon on the main page there. So again, it's September 12th, which is a Wednesday, from 6.30 to 8.30 at Wetchler's Auction House in Rockville. And they're pretty well known. They, they used to be in D.C., then they moved out to Rockville, and they've handled some estates for people like uh, Marjorie Merriweather Post and Catherine Graham. I tell you, it should really be a fun time, so make sure you register. Let's talk about what's being auctioned off now. That's really what the market is. It's an auction bringing together willing buyers and willing sellers. And remember, you always need to do your own research and see if something's appropriate for your portfolio. You just don't buy something because you heard it on a podcast or you saw a great story on TV. No, you always, you always need to do your own research. Well, while I was away, Cisco, symbol CSCO, they reported earnings. And to me, they looked pretty darn good. Adjusted earnings came in at 70 cents a share, which was a 15% increase over last year. And that's really been a thorn in Cisco's side with the rate of earnings growth. So, here you are, 15% increase over last year. Investors are starting to take note because this is the third quarter in a row of year-over-year revenue growth. And strength was pretty much across the board. In geographies, products, services, total product sales were up 7% and services were up 3%. And the product backlog grew by 38% year-over-year. The negative was the margins. Margins were down. But I think that's a temporary thing. We've talked about Cisco shifting away from its, uh, well, actually shifting its business model from one-off hardware sales to more software-centric type business. And this mucks up the number. This makes the analysis a little bit harder to do. One-off sales, that's pretty straightforward. You know, we sold it. This is how much we made. With this shift away from that to a more reoccurring revenue or subscription-based model, it gets to be the revenue, we, we sold this, but the revenue is coming in over a few years, and that's deferred revenue, and it just, get, it just gets trickier to analyze. But they're making good progress in this shift. Reoccurring revenue is now 32% of, of the business. Subscription-based products were 56% of the 
of total software sales, which were up 5% year over year. And I would argue you should pay more for reoccurring revenue than one-time sales because it's more predictable. You'd pay more for a car that starts every morning as opposed to one that, well, may or may not. Bottom line is, I like how Cisco has been executing and growing its business around the world, despite the threat of trade wars and general uncertainty. But since the stock has run up, it doesn't leave me with enough of a margin of safety in case I'm wrong. Right now, the stock is about $47 and it's paying a nice 2.8% dividend. So people are paying about 16 times next year's earnings by my estimates, which is on the high end of where it's been over the last 10 years. If we get a pullback, I'd look at it again under 43. Another company that reported while I was away was Lowe's, symbol L-O-W. The top line increased 7%. Comparable store sales were up 5.2%, thanks in part to higher average ticket sales. But the main story of late has been the new CEO, Marvin Ellison. He's been on the job for about two months now, and he was brought in, assumingly, because Lowe's had been lagging behind Home Depot for quite a while now, lagging operationally. He used to be at Home Depot, so he knows the business. During the call, the conference call, they announced that they were getting rid of its orchard supply business so that they could focus on the core stores. Orchard supply is going to be closing 99 stores, and that's going to mean that Lowe's is going to incur some pre-tax costs. But I like what he's doing to improve operations and to close the performance gap between them and Home Depot. They're improving the supply chain, they're simplifying the organizational structure, and they're rationalizing their store inventory. If the stock pulls back under 100, I'd probably start buying again. I own both Cisco's, uh, Cisco and Lowe's personally. I'm guessing they'll earn about 550 this year, and that excludes any charges from the orchard supply closing. And better than uh, better than six dollars next year's. So again, five fifty this year. I expect them to earn six dollars next year. A hundred dollars stock earning six dollars a share means it's trading at about sixteen times next year's earnings, and that puts it on the low end of where it's been the last fifteen years. If it got down to $100, that's where I'd start looking at it again. I was going to do one more, but it looks like I'm running out of time here. So I'll save it for next week. I want to talk about CarMax, symbol KMX, and floating rate securities and whatever else I see that looks interesting between now and then. So we'll be back next Wednesday. Have a great holiday weekend. And remember, it's just as important to protect your assets as it is to grow them. Okay, you've listened to the show. Now it's time for the really good stuff. So listen up. It's the disclosures. The things I talked about during the show, well, 
They're just my opinion and may or may not necessarily be those of the XML Financial Group. Don't construe this as personalized advice or a solicitation to buy or sell a security. No, no. You should consult your own financial advisor to see if it's appropriate for you. It's also not a substitute for tax or legal advice. I'd suggest you get someone who's qualified in these areas so you can get the advice you deserve. When you're talking about asset allocation, diversification, rebalancing, they don't guarantee better results and they don't eliminate the risk of losses. In investing, there are no guarantees. Just because you use these strategies doesn't mean you'll outperform someone or something who doesn't. XML Financial LLC is an independent registered investment advisor.